0: Well hello everybody, this is Pastor Mark A. Stroud and I thank you for joining me for another broadcast of Kingdom Rock Radio. It's our pleasure to bring you the rich gospel of Jesus Christ every week and we broadcast this all around the world and I thank you so much for joining us. And don't forget, you can be a part of this blessing because when you give, people live. If you're really being blessed by the broadcast, don't forget to drop us a line and let us know. Just go to our website at www.kingdomrock.org, and while you're there on the website, make sure to make a donation in any amount. Anything that you give can help us to spread this gospel worldwide. Well, on today's broadcast, we're going to go into a part number two of this series entitled "Man Up," and today's message asks the question: Where are you planted? Well, we're going to talk about that today. Believe me, it's going to be rich and a whole lot more. So without any further ado, here comes today's message that asks the question, where are you planted? Right here on Kingdom Rock Radio. Enjoy. Last Sunday, we spoke from the subject of uh, make a decision, make a decision. Remember, things won't change until you make a decision. Turn to name, tell him you got to make up your mind. And you got to make a decision. Tell them you got to make a decision. All right? Things can't change until you make up your mind, until you make a decision. If we say we're going to go on a trip somewhere, uh, whether we're going to go to Florida, to Epcot Center, or Disney World, or uh, whether we're going to go to um, some other use- amusement park, there are a whole lot of parks and a whole lot of places to go. But if so, if we, have a, if we have a hundred brochures encircling us on the floor, and we're trying to decide where to go, you know, you will go absolutely nowhere until you make a decision. You have to make a decision. You have to make a decision. Amen? Amen. All right. So, we're saying man up or woman up. You got to make a decision. And today we'll be speaking from the subject of where are you planted? where are you planted it is such an important question where are you planted and i pray today as a matter of fact let's go ahead and pray father in the mighty name of jesus i seek your face and father i ask for your divine help Lord, I ask that you would uh, speak through me to your people. I ask that you would uh, bring wisdom, knowledge, and revelation and understanding. Lord, I pray that the Word of God would come forth with power and boldness of the Holy Spirit. And that, Lord, that you would just teach your Word in a way that all who are here and who will be listening later on and watching can hear and watch and understand. Lord, let your Word come forth today without any hindrance whatsoever. Speak, Lord, speak anoint this place we pray today. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. All right, uh, today uh, we're going to be looking really at about four verses uh, over the next week or so, about four verses, and uh, let's try to go there. Psalm 92, verses 12 through 15. Psalm 92, verses 12 through 15. Make sure you make a note of this because this, I'm telling you, uh, is more important than any of us probably know as we're being led of the Lord, Psalm 92 verses 12 through 15. This is how it reads. uh, The King James version, it says the righteous shall flourish like the palm tree. He shall grow like a cedar in Lebanon. Those that be planted in the house of the Lord shall flourish in the courts of our God. They shall still bring forth fruit in old age. They shall be fat and flourishing. "...to show that the Lord is upright, he is my rock, and there is no unrighteousness in him. Where are you planted?" Where are you planted? So some things will be on the screen today. And uh, so you don't have to worry about so much about flipping your Bibles. The scriptures, the scriptures will be on the screen for you. So that will give you an opportunity to look and listen. Take copious notes so that you may be aware of what the Lord is saying today. All right. So here we are uh, back in verse number 12. Verse 12 says again, The righteous shall flourish like the palm tree. They shall grow like a cedar in Lebanon. First of all, let's look at the word. Who is the Lord talking about? He's talking about the righteous. He's talking about the righteous, those that have received Jesus Christ as the Lord and Savior of your lives. The word righteous means the just or, or, or the lawful, or of course, the righteous. Uh, we know, we know uh, who the righteous are because Romans, the third chapter, verse 22 tells us matter of fact, we can go and read that Romans, uh, Romans three, verse 22, it says this, we are the new living translation. It says, we are made right with God by placing our faith in Jesus Christ. And this is true for everyone who believes no matter who we are. So as you put your faith in tr- faith and trust in Jesus, you are made right or righteous in the sight of God. Remember, our righteousness is not built on our good works. It is based solely on the finished work of Jesus Christ. We are righteous because of the blood that was shed on our behalf, because because Jesus paid the price for us. Amen. Amen. Remember, if we ask the question, um, if we ask the question, uh, if the father were to ask you, why would I let you in heaven? If that was the question, if you died at this moment and you stood before the father in heaven, and if the father asked you, why should I let you into heaven? If your answer is, well, you should let me in because I've been doing good. I help people. I try not to hurt anybody. You know, I just, I just try to keep to myself. I don't lie, drink, cuss, fuss, root, toot. I don't do any of that stuff. I don't do drugs. I don't drink. Uh, You know, I don't smoke. Uh, That's why you should let me in heaven. Remember, that is a purely religious answer, and that is not acceptable in the sight of God because that answer points to your works, what you have done. That talks about your own righteousness, and the Bible says that your righteousness is as a filthy rag and is a stench in the nostrils of God. But no, if the Lord asks you, Why shall I let you in heaven? we should all be pointing to Jesus. I should be allowed to come into heaven because Jesus paid the price for me, and I have received him as as my Lord and Savior, and his blood has washed away my sins. Now you're involved in the righteousness that Jesus has provided for you. Hallelujah. Now you're walking in the righteousness of Christ and not in self-righteousness. So again, the Bible, first of all, is talking about the righteous. So all of this, everything we're talking about is talking about people who have received Jesus Christ as a Lord and Savior of their lives. All of those who can declare, even according to First uh, John, the fourth chapter, I believe, who can declare that Jesus has come in the flesh, that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh. You see, uh, evil powers can't do that. But those who can declare that openly, that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh. Hallelujah. That is the spirit of truth. All right. So this is talking about the born again believer. So as we go through these scriptures and as we mine out uh, what God is saying, understand that he's saying this about you. So you have to make this personal. This is about you. Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I thank God that you're praying with me today. It says again, the righteous shall flourish like the palm tree. So we're going to stay there just for a second. The righteous shall flourish like the palm tree. We're going to stay right there and, uh, and visit on that particular scripture just for a moment, that section of scripture. The righteous shall flourish like the palm tree. Say so, with me, I shall flourish, I shall flourish like, the like the palm tree. Now notice the word shall. The word shall does not denote an immediate action. It denotes a future action. But this future action also talks about uh, having a present, um, having a present progress, a present progress or present process, present process, a future action with a present process. All right. So as we talk about a palm tree uh, and how you're going to flourish, flourishing does not happen overnight. The word flourishing in the text has to do with sprouting, blossoming, and blooming. Sprouting, blossoming, and and, uh, blooming, which has to do with a maturation or a process of maturity. Process of maturity. If I were to tell you, let me give you an example of, um, of something that is spoken of in the future, but has a present process. If I were to tell you, uh, at the close of service today, I'm going to give all of you a hmm, a hot chocolate fudge sundae sprinkled with lots of nuts and other things like that. If I were to tell you that, okay, if I were to tell you that, please excuse the example, but if I were to tell you that, many of you already, before you get it in your hands, could already experience it. Yeah. You could already experience it. You could already taste it. You can already see yourself partaking in it, spooning it into your mouth, right? It's It's a future thing. You don't have it yet at this moment, but yet and still you do have it because you could believe in the integrity of the one that told you. So although it's a future event, you can still partake of it now in the present, right? So this is a process. Maturity is is a process by which uh, we receive something at an end, but we're we're working toward it now. All right. So as we talk about flourishing like a palm tree, flourishing like the palm tree, again, flourishing means to sprout. It means to blossom. It means to bloom. That is a, a maturation process. Now, How does the palm tree mature? Are you all still with me? You still with me? Because the Bible says that we, the righteous, will flourish. That is, we'll blossom, bloom, sprout like the palm tree. So first of all, let's talk about a palm tree. Well, we know that um, a palm tree, they normally usually grow grow in uh, warm climates. You find them on the beaches. Hallelujah, in warm and warm areas. Uh, they also, uh, palm trees also uh, are known, of course, for their palms, and, and palms are known as a, a symbol of victory. We know about Palm Sunday as Jesus rode triumphantly into Jerusalem, a symbol of great victory, all right? But here's also something very peculiar about palms, is that in the time of storms and heavy winds, they bend, but not break. They bend, but not break. As a matter of fact, uh, most palm trees can bend about 40 to 50 degrees without breaking. Now, if you, that cannot be said with the pine tree or the oak tree. No, those will snap. But remember, you were designed to flourish like the palm tree. You're meant to bend, but not snap, not break. We can't be so rigid in life, can't be so rigid with rules and other things in life when things happen that we don't bend. When the storm comes, when the wind blows, we bend, but not break. Hallelujah. That's what you're designed to be, bend. What happens when the wind stops? What does the palm tree do? It straightens up again. It's still here. It's still here. Amen. Hallelujah. So now now let's talk about the maturation process of the palm tree, because here again, it talks about flourishing like the palm tree, flourishing. Flourishing talks about sprouting, blossoming, and blooming. And so, and that is the uh, maturing process of the palm tree. Now, understand something that most palm trees from seed germination to seven years uh, have very little, uh, very little growth. On the trunk portion of you see very little growth within the first seven years. You look at this thing, you say, well, something's wrong with it. I planted this thing and seven years later, and it doesn't really seem to be growing tall like the other. Something's wrong with mine. Yeah. No, but during the first seven years, the real growth happens underneath the earth as the palm tree uh, spreads out its roots and the roots take hold take hold to the earth so therefore when the winds begin to blow it's stably rooted and it won't blow away it's stably rooted so within the first seven years it creates a root system under the earth that will sustain its height that will sustain it during the time of heavy winds are you hearing Amen. now the word seven. and i love this uh, man didn't make this god made this so he said we're going to mature we're going to flourish like the palm tree right we're going to we're going to develop like the palm tree. Now, for the first 7 years, this is the truth. For the first 7 years. 7 is a number of maturity. It is a number of completeness. So after the seven years of, are, are over, after you have been matured, after things have been completed and you have a good foundation after the seventh year, then uh, the palm tree begins to grow massively. As a matter of fact, for the next 10 years after that, after the first seven, for the next 10 years, it begins to grow from one, uh, one to uh, three feet or one to two feet per year constantly, there's a constant growth, one to two feet per year, it begins to grow for the next 10 years. After those 10 years have been completed, it still grows, but at a much slower rate of about maybe one to three inches per year. Now, what does that tell us? That tells us that after, uh, that tells us that after your season or after your time of maturity, there will be explosive growth that tells us as well that we should not curse our lives because we've been working in this thing and working and working and working and working and we have not seen the growth that we uh, have expected the true growth or remember we're going to flourish like the palm tree uh god uh, god always allows us depending on how high we grow that depends on how deep the roots will have to go we know that as far as skyscrapers too, right? Uh, depending on how high the skyscraper is going to be, it takes more time for them to dig a footing, to dig deeper, dig deeper. Now, if it's only going to be a one-level building, hey, that goes up pretty quick. It's no big deal. And we look at them and say, hey, how did you get yours up so quick? Two levels, how did you get yours up so quick? I've been working at mine for the last seven years, and I still haven't seen anything because the building's going to be taller. You understand? Because the building is going to be taller. So God begins to work with us like the palm tree. So I have a confession that we're going to say today. Confession number one. It says this. I'm maturing like the palm tree. God has. Go ahead. I'm maturing like the palm tree. God has not forgotten about me. At the appointed time, I shall spring forth and nothing shall delay hinder or stop my course. That is a true statement. You're developing like a palm tree. You're developing like the palm tree. Again, I am maturing like a palm tree. God has not forgotten about me at the appointed time. That's that seventh year time. Now the word, the seventh year may not be a calendar year for us, but it's the time when God says, all right, you're ready You're finished, you're complete, you're mature, you're ready to handle more weight now. After that point, growth becomes more aggressive. Are you hearing? All right, so not calendar time for a natural palm tree, yes, calendar years. But uh, yours may not be seven calendar years. The seven just denotes the time that when you are mature, when God says, This is now complete. Now you're ready for more weight. Are you hearing? All right. So we're maturing like a palm tree. God has not forgotten about me. Uh, At the appointed time, I shall spring forth and nothing shall delay, hinder, or stop my course. Now let's go back again. Verse number 12, it says, uh, the righteous shall flourish like the palm tree. Now here again, this is talking about you. Then it also says, he shall grow like a cedar in Lebanon. He shall grow like a cedar in Lebanon. Now to grow means to, uh, it means to increase. It means to grow and increase. So for a moment, we've got to talk about the cedar of Lebanon because God is talking about you. So you have to know what a cedar is and its characteristics are. So let's look at this for a second. The cedars of Lebanon, these great, beautiful evergreen trees grow in mountainous regions. Uh, at altitudes of 3,300 to 6,500 feet. They can attain a height of 100 feet high and six feet wide at the very base. Um, Cedar contains, these cedar trees contain natural oils. Say natural oils. Uh, They contain natural oils and is especially resistant to damage caused by bugs, decay, or water. And what does that mean for us? I'm so glad that you asked that question. Because you will grow and increase with strength and be resistant to devour. That is, things that can, uh, or things that have the power or the ability to decay or ruin or destroy your life over time. They have natural oil, not counterfeit oil. So right away here again, the Bible says that we will grow like the cedars or that we will increase like the cedar in Lebanon. That is, we're going to grow strong and we're also going to be resistant to things that will cause us to decay, naturally decay. Are you hearing? Now it also says that we have natural oils, natural oil, cedar oil, Now, I want you to see this. Yes, we are talking about a natural tree, but God makes this not only something that is natural. He's showing us a spiritual truth in something that is natural. Are you hearing me? Y'all work with me today, okay? He's showing us a spiritual truth with something that occurs naturally. All right? So if you don't watch it, you'll miss the whole point of what God is saying about you. Again, He has made you naturally resistant to the agents of devour, agents of decay. That is true. That's true. Now, we also have natural oil. Natural oil. The word natural can be defined as a person regarded as having an innate gift or talent for a particular task or activity. We say that person, he's a natural. She's a natural. As I look at my son, he has a natural gift for artwork. The natural gift. I didn't teach him that. Maybe I could take credit one day, but I can't. (laughs) That's a natural gift. It was with him when he was born. It's a natural gift. Something that is inside you, something that God has placed on the inside of you. Now, when you were born of God, when you were born again... God gave us all that, uh, that innate oil called the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit produces the oil called the anointing. And it is, it is this oil, this anointing that drives the enemy away, that drives the devil away, that drives the agents of devour away. And, as, and uh, as I was saying, that Satan cannot devour you as long as this oil is being produced in your life. This is a promise that God has, uh, that he has given to us of all those, as we go further on down, of all those that have been planted in the house of the Lord. All those that are righteous and that are planted in the house of the Lord. This is how we're growing. This is how we are developing. This is how we're thriving. This is how we are maturing. We're maturing like the palm tree. That is, we're growing, we're growing tall and there's there's a certain season that we don't see any growth. But after that. Uh, We begin to sprout and over the next whatever years God chooses, we see explosive growth because the palm tree tells us that God is is more concerned about your root foundation, more concerned about your beginning years. Because if he gets that right in you, then the rest will just take care of itself. But we begin to curse God in those beginning years thinking, Lord, I put all this in, I put all this time in and I don't see it. Well, something is still not complete. When it is complete, you will spring forth. Hallelujah. And now we know that we have, because of the spirit of God within us, we are naturally resistant to agents of decay, agents of ruin, agents of destruction because of the Holy Spirit. Because this oil has anointing that is within you, you are naturally, uh, you are naturally a deterrent to those things. So as we talk about natural cedar, natural cedar uh, plants or uh, cedar furniture, uh, or we can say cedar oil itself, cedar oil can be used as a uh, deterrent uh, to all kind of bugs. They'll stay away from it. They'll stay away from it, from anything that would come to eat it up or to devour it. Now, the Lord is showing you what you are really like. This you won't see in your mirror in the morning when you brush your teeth. This you won't hear about on six o'clock news. This you can only have a glimpse of through the spirit of God, looking through the word, looking through the word. God says, this is how you are, that you are a righteous person. That is, if you are a righteous, that you receive Jesus Christ as your Lord and savior. And if you are planted in God's house, this is how you really are. This is how you really are. And as you declare that, you're going to see that manifest in your lives. Let's go to another confession here. Confession two says this: "I've got natural oil, the oil of the Holy Spirit inside of me. I will not decay, be devoured or be destroyed. I am strong giant. I'm a strong giant. Let's say that again. I've got natural oil. The oil of the Holy Spirit inside of me. I will not decay, be devoured, or be destroyed. I am a strong giant. See, you, you're saying these words, and these words are true in accordance to the word of God. Hallelujah. So we can continue to declare this again and again and again and again. Instead of saying what the world has been saying about us or what others are saying about us, we declare what God says. So here again, here's a snapshot that the Father's giving you about you. It is if we are looking, uh, looking at, that, um, at an MRI looking at a CAT scan. And the doctor says, well, this is you. Well, you say, I didn't see that before. Of course you didn't see it before. It's measuring what's on the inside of you. Yes, yes, yes. You say, let's, let's examine your blood. Well, I didn't know that was in my blood. Of course you didn't. You need a special piece of machinery to show you what's there. Yes. So the word of God shows you what's really there. Amen. What's really there. And so now let's look now at verse number 13. Oh, y'all stay with me today. Verse 13 says, those that be planted in the house of the Lord shall flourish in the courts of our God. Again, those that be planted in the house of the Lord shall flourish in the courts of our God. Now, the word planted here, it does mean plant, to plant, but it also means to transplant, transplant. Which I believe is the uh, more correct uh, definition here: to transplant. In other words, move, move, or transfer something, uh, something to another place or situation. Typically, with some, uh, with some adverse effects, or we can say, uh, typically with with some effort or upheaval. Let me say it that way: typically with some effort moving one plant. Some of you have, have uh, been gardening before. You transplant or you go to the local nursery, plant nursery, and you, and you, uh, they bring you something that they have already planted in soil somewhere else. And you pick that up and you dig a hole in your yard and you plant that in your yard. Well, you have just transplanted that uh, plant if you move it from the backyard to the front yard you moved it from, you moved it from one location to another. Yes. okay We have been transplanted because all of us were planted in the world before. Yes. Yes. All of us were planted with other ideas, notions, wisdoms, things that we thought were right. Yes. and God saw us there and he picked us up and he brought us into another place. Yes. If you are born again, that is the case. That is so. Let's look at some scripture. Let's look at 1 Peter 2, verse number 9 out of the King James Version. This is how it reads. It says, but ye are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, and holy nation, a peculiar people, that ye should show forth the praises of him who did what? Who hath called you out of, say out of? ...who have called you out of... Do like this when we say out of, out of... ...out of... ...called you out of darkness... ...into... into. ...his marvelous light. That's out of... ...and then into. Alright, that is a true statement. If you are indeed a child of God... ...born again, that has happened. Hallelujah. Oh, yeah. Now let's go to Colossians. Colossians, the first chapter, verse number 13... We're going to read this out of the, uh, um, uh, the American Standard version, the ASV. I love the way it reads. Listen to this. it says, "Who delivered us out of the power of darkness and translated us into the kingdom the, to the kingdom of the Son of His love. He delivered us out of and into. You have been transplanted. If you are a born-again believer and if you can declare that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh, hallelujah, Amen. that Jesus is the Savior of the world, then God says you have indeed been transplanted. Hallelujah. Amen. You're no longer feeding, of the, feeding on the root systems of the things of the world. Hallelujah. All right, so now that we know we've been transplanted, this means, again, uh, to be transplanted means to be uprooted from one area and planted into another. This denotes a choice, and it sometimes, um, or sometimes, it can be permanent. If we, I mean, in this natural world, you know, it doesn't have to be permanent. You can pick it up next week and put it somewhere else. But in the spirit, it is a permanent thing. If God brought you up, He puts you down, and you're going to be right there. Amen. Are you hearing? Uh, you leave one life. Wisdom weighs thinking behind and take root in another. Just like we do with a um, when you go to a local plant store and you pick up the dirt. I mean, you pick up the plant, but it still has the dirt with it. And then you plant it in your yard. Many of us are still in, still dealing with the dirt of the past, even though you've been planted in the right place. Until you get strong enough that your roots go past your dirt, past your own filth, and you begin to tie it into God's soil. But because we don't allow ourselves to grow in God's word, meditate in his word, and really spend time in his presence, we're still dealing with the old dirt. Even though you're planted in a heavenly place. But growing and developing in the Lord, receiving of his word, receiving of His truth allows your roots to go, allows your roots to grow past your dirt. To reach out and receive the nutrients that's from the Lord. But this means, again, that you can spend years, years still dealing with your old dirt and being fellowship with God and wonder why things aren't changing. Because you've not allowed yourself to grow. Are you hearing? So again, you can't be planted in two places at once. It's impossible. Remember, God gives us natural examples to reveal to us spiritual truths. You cannot be planted in two places at once. Either you're planted still, still over there with the devil, or you're planted in here with the Lord. You got to make a decision where you want to be planted. I'll ask you the question: Where are you planted? Where are you planted? There's no such thing of having one foot over here and the other foot over there. The kingdoms, the kingdoms are too vastly apart. You're gonna have to decide where you're going to be planted. Where are you planted? Make a decision. It's time to man up or woman up if you're a woman. Are you hearing? Where are you planted? Ask your neighbor. Where are you planted? Now, up to this point, the Lord has been showing us our characteristics. He's been relating to us, telling us that we will flourish like palm trees. He's been telling us that we're going to grow like the cedar at Lebanon. And we've learned about that. Amen. I hope that you've gotten something from that. He's telling us how we're growing, developing, and how how we are maturing, and uh, that we are naturally uh, resistant to devourers, agents of devour, and and how we're growing strong and tall, and how we're going to bend but not break during the storm. He's been telling us all these things. And now he's asking, now he's telling us here, if we go back to the verse again, it says that... Those, let's go back to the very first verse. It says again, the righteous shall flourish like the palm tree. They shall grow like the cedar in Lebanon. Here again, those that be planted where in the house of the Lord shall what flourish where in the courts of our God. God. So again, planted in the house of the Lord. So I would ask you, what is in fact the house of the Lord? You plant it there. What is it? What is the house of the Lord? Well, I can tell you some things that it's not. The house of the Lord isn't the church building, but you'll find it anywhere the church is gathered in the name of Jesus. Now, I know we say that this is the house of the Lord. This is a building. When we cease to meet here, it becomes a building. Okay? We can say it's the house of the Lord because the church is meeting here. Because the church is reverencing and honoring the Lord, we're lifting up the name of Jesus. Now, listen, it isn't necessarily in the fellowship of Christians, because everybody that claims to be Christian really is not. But you can find it, you can find it in the lives of those who live in obedience to God, the house of the Lord. Now, listen, the house of the Lord is living and abiding in God's perfect will for your life. Wherever that takes you. Let me say that again. The house of the Lord, the house of God, is living and abiding in God's perfect will for your life. Wherever that takes you. And let me give you two more that will help bring this about, help you to understand. The house of the Lord is literally the place where the presence of God dwells, is honored, worshiped, and is celebrated. Again, It is literally the place where the presence of God dwells, is honored, worshiped, and celebrated. The house of the Lord is in heaven. Will we agree with that? And the house of the Lord is also in you. You are the temple of the Holy Spirit. 1 Corinthians 6, 19 tells you that you are the temple of the Holy Spirit. So if somebody says, I want to go to the house of the Lord, if you are born and believe, if you've been made righteous with Christ, you just have to say, I'm right here. Amen. God lives and dwells in me. I am, you are the temple of the Holy Spirit. Now, for the purposes of what we're talking about today, the house of the Lord, again, is Uh, The house of God is living and abiding in God's perfect will for your life. So if you're living and abiding in God's perfect will for your life, then surely you can say the Holy Spirit is within you, that he's living on the inside of you. Amen? Amen. Now, it says again, those that be planted in the house of the Lord. So we're not talking about you growing roots and standing on the concrete here. God's not saying you are becoming a physical, literal tree or plant and you're rooted in the concrete in the house. We know that's idiotic. He's not talking about that. But he is talking about you being submitted to his will, submitted to his purpose and plan for your life. You're rooted, that is, you are fully invested in God's plan and purposes for you. Fully rooted and fully invested in God's perfect plan for you. You say, hey, I am all in. I'm all in. Hallelujah. I'm all in. Where you say, Jesus, let's go. I am all in. I am planted in the house of the Lord. I am planted in his will for my life. Hallelujah. I'm fully invested in what he has called me to do. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So he goes again, It says, those that be planted in the house of the Lord. Now the, those are the righteous that we just talked about, the righteous that are, that are, uh, flourishing like the palm tree that are growing like the cedar of Lebanon. Those are, uh, those are examples or qualifications. We can say of those that are, that are actually planted in the will of God for their lives. You're planted in God's will. You're going to see growth you're going to see change and you're going to see increase and you're going to grow past your own dirt. Hallelujah. You're going to grow past your own dirt. Those that are planted in the house of the Lord. Notice it says shall flourish in the courts of our God. Let's talk about the courts. Now the word courts here is not talking about court as in uh, some form of Uh, court case or in the courthouse. It's talking about the courts of the temple. The courts of the temple. And uh, there are several things that we're going to talk about. We'll take a moment here and talk about uh, the courts uh, in the temple. Now, the Bible says again that we will flourish in the courts. We're going to bud. We're going to blossom. We're going to bloom. We're going to sprout in the courts in the courts. That is, we're going to grow from one end all the way up into the last part there. We must reach the fullness of growth. We must reach the fullness of growth. We must flourish in the courts. Now, very first thing you see that on the the edges here are called the court of Gentiles. Court of the Gentiles. This is where the Gentiles would come Those who weren't in a covenant relationship with God at this time, back in Bible time, before Jesus Christ came, uh, there were a group of people that wanted a relationship with God, but, but could not have it because the Messiah had not yet been given. So they didn't have a covenant with God like the Jewish people did. So they would still come to worship and acknowledge the one true God, but they couldn't go any further. So there are some people today that really want a relationship with God, but because they don't have a covenant with God, they have not made a decision for Christ. They simply come and stay around the edges. The court was uh, the court of Gentiles was a was a noisy place, loud place and a place of fellowship as well. And that's why some people come to church these days. They come for the noise. (laughs) They come for the fellowship, but they have not decided to have a covenant relationship with God. And this is why here again, this is why uh, that the Lord, I I appreciate him for saying this because we have to move past the noisy fellowship and move on into, remember, we're going to flourish in the courts of our God, flourishing in the courts of our God. So we're rooted there. We were there in the noisy fellowship, but now it's time for us to go uh, into the outer court. The outer court is where you see there. Uh, where sacrifices are made, where people bring uh, bring their offerings before the Lord. In Bible times, it would bring your, especially before Jesus Christ came, they would bring their lambs, they would bring their turtle doves, they would bring their sacrifices before the Lord. So today, we still come and bring our sacrifices before the Lord in the form of our tithe and our offerings. But here again, there are some that just hang around the edge, hang around the edge, and they won't come in to bring a sacrifice before God. They say, it's okay for me just to stay out here. I'll stay in the noisy place with the fellowship out here. I'll rub hands. I mean, I shake hands with everybody, rub against everybody, and that's really enough. At least I'm not on way on out there somewhere. At least I am around the things of God. But God says, it's time to grow past that now. It's time to move on into the place of sacrifice. Hallelujah. It's time to move on to the place of sacrifice. And then from the place of sacrifice, you see, you see further in the, uh, on the picture there, you see where it says the holy place and the holies of holies. Now let's go into that section in the holy place and the holies of holies. The holy place was where is where the ministry of the word is revealed by the light of the Holy spirit. That's where you eat the showbread that is eat the word of God. You began to ingest, not only hear his word, but you began to get it in you. You began to meditate on that word. You began to mutter of that word. You began to speak it forth. And the word of God is not, on, not just on the table, but you're actually eating it. And it's become a part of you. Yes. You've heard the statement, you are what you eat. You began to make it a part of you, not just having it on the coffee table, not just hearing it on Sunday morning or hearing some sermon somewhere. The word of God has actually become a part of you. You taken it in you to yourself. So you began to grow You're flourishing past the noisy places. Pastor, remember, in the noisy place, court of the Gentiles, that's actually where Jesus uh, overturned the, the tables of money changers because the Gentiles were trying to come and worship, but it was so noisy they couldn't do it. They couldn't do it. And uh, people f- came from far and wide bringing they couldn't bring uh animals for from a long trip so they they brought money and they would buy uh sacrifices there at the temple. And the money changers were supposed to be they were supposed to be fair in their dealings and give people the appropriate sacrifice for the money that was given. But they charged more. They charged excessively. They were duping the people of God. So Jesus comes in and sees and says, "No! My house should be called a house of prayer and not a den of thieves." He breaks all of that stuff up. But there are some people that are still, still hanging around the fringes. God says, come on into the house. Come on in further. Come on into the place of sacrifice. Come on, be washed. Also, they're in the holy place, uh, rather on the outer courts. Be washed and give your sacrifice. Confess your sins before the Lord and bring your offerings before the Lord. Then go in into the, into the, into the holy place and eat the word of God. Take it into you. Come and experience the light of the Holy Spirit represented there by the light lampstand come on and let the holy spirit illuminate the light illuminate you and show you where to go and show you what to do but don't just stay there either we must go on into the most holy place the very presence of god himself where we can have unbroken fellowship with god and communion with the father that even rivals that of adam and eve So we move from the noisy place. Here again, we're going to flourish in the courts of God. Flourish, bloom, sprout, increase in the courts of our Lord. From the noisy fellowship, we thank God for everybody. But I came here today with a purpose. I came here today to be washed, to be washed in a bronze lavern, to wash away my sins, coming to give my sacrifice before the Lord. Now I've got to go on further. I've got to get into the holy place. I've got to hear the word of God. I need the Holy Spirit to show me the word of God. I've got to eat it now, but I can't just stay at the word. I've got to go further into the most holy place. I've got to have an experience with God almighty. I've got to experience God. But for so many people, it's good just to be around the things of God, just hang on the outside. But God says you're going to flourish, but that flourishing has to do with you. It has to do with you. There is so much more that the father has to offer you, but you have to make a decision. I want to go further with God. Amen. Now you notice in every step, let's go back to the original picture. you notice that in every part of this, the outer court or the court of Gentiles is the biggest place. Whole lot of people hang out out there. And as you move further and further into it, it gets narrower, narrower, or smaller and smaller. Because not that many people want to enter in. The question is, will you be one of those people that want to enter in? God has given us a pattern. So if we even go, want to go deeper, the outer court also symbolizes the sacrifice of Jesus Christ. Jesus came down to sin for man, and he led you to the Spirit. It's like a handoff, and in the inner place, rather than the the uh, holy place, this is where the ministry of the word takes place. Here again, the Holy Spirit makes makes the word become makes the word come alive, and He brings you into fellowship with the Father. Jesus hands you to the Spirit, and the Spirit hands you over to the Father, and the Father says, "Come on in into the most holy place, or to the holies of holies." And this is where we have that unbroken fellowship with God. We become one with Him. In short, what are we saying? In short, those who have, have been and shall be transplanted in the house of the Lord, that is, those who are in the will of God for their lives, those who honor God with worship and celebrate him with their obedience, shall in time bloom and blossom and enjoy unbroken fellowship with God. This is what Jesus came to do for us. He didn't come just to leave you out there in some noisy place. He wants you to come in. He wants you to come in. He wants you to be washed. He wants you to be cleansed. He wants you to be sanctified. He wants to have true intimacy with you. But see, this is up to you. It's up to you. God says, I'm giving you the opportunity of a lifetime. Now, remember, the opportunity of a lifetime is only good during the time of the opportunity or the lifetime of the opportunity. It's only available during the lifetime of the opportunity. God says, now you have the ability to be with the one that created everything. Hey, yes. Everything. He offers you his hand and says, come and fellowship with me. Some people would probably give their left kidney to go meet some star or somebody or say, oh, I met this person who oh, I met that person. You take off work, you lose salary to go meet somebody. God says, I'm giving you the opportunity to meet with me. But you've got to decide. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. I'll grow. I'll mature with you. I'll be planted in you planted in your will, planted in your purpose for my life. Don't just stay on the outside. God says, come in further, come in deeper, come in deeper. But again, it is unfortunate. It is very unfortunate. I think that the outer court is so much larger, so much larger because not everybody will agree to grow through the process, grow through the process. But then again, I probably, would, I probably would guess, as I'm thinking now, I probably would, would guess why people would rather spend time with someone here on the earth that's of great stature and they would take off, they may sell their house, sell all they have with the, to be one night with this person or to be whatever with that person. I probably why guess why, because it would cost a whole lot less, because to get to God would cost you everything. Yeah. Yeah. Everything. It will cost you relationships. It will cost, may even cost you your very life. Are you willing to pay the price? But I'm telling you, this is the way that God has created us. This is the way that we should go. This is where life really begins. Life really begins with him. This is how the joy will return to your life. This is how the peace will return to your life. This is how the love will return to your life. When you make a decision to be planted in him so I ask you the question again where are you planted I pray for the word of God today we'll stop there in Jesus mighty name let's give Lord a mighty hand of praise hallelujah we pray that you are blessed today by the ministry remember if you would like to hear this message in its entirety and even hear the entire series just go to our website at www.kingdomrock.org that's www.kingdomrock.org We will be so glad to connect with you. While you're there on the website, make sure to consider a financial donation in support of the ministry. And don't forget, if you're in the area, stop on by and visit with us every Sunday morning at 10 a.m. And Wednesday night at 7 p.m. We're located at 180 Helton Road in Bremen, Georgia. Stop on by. And don't forget, while you're on the website, sign up for Kingdom Inspirations. We believe it's going to be a blessing to you. All right, until next time, remember that Jesus loves you, and so do we. Choose Him as your Lord today. Only He can make a way.